Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. All right, fine. Fine. That's how it's going to be, Seattle. <laughs> you can just go if you, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come get you later. Yeah, you say that now, but when you're trying to do a fart joke later and it doesn't land, you'll be so happy that I'm here. That's fair. I depend on you solely for the fart jokes in our, in our show. I was going to wear a t-shirt tonight that said Dr. Fart to really highlight the fact that fart is the worst word I can say on Sawbones. <laughs> uh, which we really put to the test during live shows, but we haven't failed once, so. No, well, it's all on you, really. Yeah, well, that's fair. There are a <laughs> lot of you. When you came in tonight, did you think about how many of you there were and think, <laughs> wow, there are a lot of us here, huh? <laughs> there are so many. We're going to make them a little uncomfortable, I think, with how many of us there are. I'm not complaining, but uh, it's great <laughs> so to be in. if some of you want to just leave. If some of you want to go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's fine. Of course uh, not. We're so happy to be in Seattle. It's beautiful here. <laughs> He's pulling the easy one. Just yeah, right? Name Seattle, and then yeah. we get cheered. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have seen the part where you drive in from Portland, and we saw the part between here and the hotel. Yeah. And all of it. That was about like a six-minute part. Six-minute yeah. part, but it was primo. <laughs> if, re- if that is a vertical slice that is representative of the rest of your city, choice. <laughs> Choice city. And as we drove in, every few minutes, we had Justin looking out the window going, the Space Needle. It's there, the Space Needle. Okay. There it is, the Space Needle. Okay. Yes, we, we're all, yes. We see yeah, it. We're okay. All good. This is accurate, but we also had Sydney, <laughs> as we were driving in past a body of water, wake her sister up. She was listening to music. Wake her sister Riley up and say, hey, look, water. <laughs> Riley takes her headphones out. It's like, what? And Sydney said, water. <laughs> and I said later, we were giving her crap about it. And she said, well, it was... It was really pretty. Okay. She didn't say so pretty. pretty water. Look, pretty water. That would have been great. I can enjoy an aqua vista. <laughs> I can enjoy a pretty water, but it's just water. Anyway, Seattle's great. I know a lot about the town and... Uh, oh, you do? Uh, yeah. What, what do you know? What? Brubens? What? No. <laughs> I think I think he wants you to prove it. Prove it? Right. Um, Grace Anatomy. <laughs> the most accurate medical show ever yeah. made, obviously. 
uh, yeah, Riley's a big fan of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, and she said, yeah, I'm, I said, so you're kind of an expert in Seattle. She said, yeah, if you, know where to, uh, if you need a neurosurgeon, I know just the one to get. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore, apparently. No. They're all dead. Yeah, that's all I know about Seattle. What about you, Sid? You're such an expert? Uh, well, I know one thing about Seattle. Hit me. I know that Robert Stroud is from Seattle. Any Stroud heads in the house? <laughs> Shut up. What? <laughs> Who's Robert Stroud? I hope Stroud. not. Do you know who that is? No, who's that? The, the Birdman of Alcatraz. Is from Seattle? Yeah. Uh, what, what's his deal? So the Birdman of Alcatraz, I'm sure everybody already knows this, obviously, because he's from Seattle. Everybody knows this story. Uh, was born in 1890. Um, he ran away from Seattle and moved to Alaska after a while. That's where and, he went wrong. Yeah, exactly. Should have never left. Because at that point, he became a pimp. And there was a bartender who either owed him some money. I think that's the real story. He, he really, he owed him some money, and so he killed him. Okay. And so he went to jail. Mm-hmm. He went to prison. 12 years at McNeil Island, and that's where he was initially, except he was a total jerk, and everybody hated him, and he was really rude to everybody. In contrast to, like, the cool, super nice <laughs> criminals at the prison. I'm assuming there are some. On Orange is the New Black, there are lots of nice ones. They're all nice. They're all, like, super nice. But he was, like, a big jerk, and he assaulted people. And so after a while, they were like, forget this guy. We're going to send him to Leavenworth. And (laughs) I bet that's how the meeting, too. Warden, listen, we've talked a lot, uh, me and the other guards, and forget this guy. (laughs) We're sending him to Leavenworth. (laughs) And he got there, and it got worse, because he actually, he, he killed a guard there. Oh, man. So it got even worse. That's like um, one of the top so they, things you can't do at prison. <laughs> <laughs> that and shivs. Those so, two I know are bad. So they end up putting him in solitary for life. Okay. Like, not just solitary, like, he's in total isolation. Throw away the This key. guy sees nobody. He was almost put to death, but Woodrow Wilson saved him. Ugh. And so he, was, so he was allowed to live, but he had to live completely alone. And one day he was out in the prison yard and he found three sparrows that were like little babies and didn't have their mom and were going to die. And so he took them in and nursed them back to health. And he became like obsessed with studying birds after this. So they just, they like had, he had like two conjoining cells. I don't know how you get that deal. I don't know how long you have to be in jail before you get two. But he, got, he had two, and they let him just keep, like, keeping birds and nursing them back to health. So, like, over the course of his stay there, he nursed, like, 300 birds back to health. And he would study them and learn their physiology. And he actually, like, published two books about birds <laughs> from jail. Yeah. So he published Diseases of Canaries. And then later, Stroud's Digest on the Diseases of Birds, which are, like, used sometimes as, like, reference books about birds. Mm -hmm. Uh, But eventually, uh, the guards and all the staff there just got really sick of having to deal with all the, like, the mail exchange. He had, like, his own secretary, basically, because he would, like, mail out copies of his book. Why wasn't he sending them a carrier pigeon? Funny joke. You feel you know, if I think if I, if I had been here, nobody would have said that. <laughs> you feel good about that? I didn't answer. I was drinking, so okay. I didn't have to answer. Yeah. 
So, so anyway, after that, he was sent to Alcatraz because they were sick of dealing with his birds and he didn't get to work with birds anymore. Um, but it's really interesting because there's a lot of information we know about birds, specifically canaries, if you have an interest in canaries, that come from the Birdman of Alcatraz. Did he break out? No. God, what a loss to Batman. <laughs> Can you imagine how bummed Batman was when that fool didn't break out? Because he's like on the edge, right? He's like... So, I mean, he calls the Birdman. Like, it's right there. It is just, he's just a villain. Like, we can get Clock King, but the Birdman of Alcatraz can't get it together to get out. <laughs> Why did you tell me that? <laughs> Why did you tell me any of that? Well, I want to talk about bird diseases, and I thought that would be a good end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, tell me about bird disease. Okay. So I, I don't know if you felt this way growing up, but my mom, and I guess my dad, like adults in general, kind of made me scared of birds. Like, birds are dirty. Don't touch them. Stay away from birds. Like, you would see, like, a dead bird on the sidewalk, and they'd be like, go, oh, get away, get away. And I always had this impression, like, birds are really dirty. I don't know why. I don't know how they get so dirty. They're, they're gross. The, they're up in the air. Yeah, that's true. All the time. I don't know but how they're you get gross. dirty. Like they, I think it's because they poop everywhere, and people hate that. That's true. Think about it. In your day-to-day life, you've probably seen an equal number of pigeons and squirrels, or at least we do at home. Um, I see pigeon poop all the time. I've never identified anything as squirrel poop. I don't think a squirrel's is dirty. They're just like my pigeon friends on the ground with fuzzy tails that don't poop. But even with this... Uh, I, and I think a lot of us have this idea that like birds poop all the time, and so maybe they're kind of gross. We've constantly kept, <laughs> pooping all the time. All the time, they do. They do actually. They, they do, do poop, poop all the time. But people have been keeping birds as pets for a really long time. I just so, can't imagine what about their whole thing makes I, people want to have them living with them. And, <laughs> In ancient China, they kept pheasants. The Egyptians had whole zoos, and, and it, that included tons of birds that they would keep. Uh, the Greeks were big fans of parrots. The Romans liked mockingbirds. Uh, in general, any bird that you could teach to like say something was always very popular, because then it could be like a, like a party. Like before you had a TV, you would just have a bird <laughs> that would talk. So everybody Excellent. would sit around and watch the bird talk. <laughs> <laughs> A thrilling time. Uh, throughout medieval times, parrots especially were popular because you could teach them like prayers and stuff, and like have them demonstrate your your piety. I'm sure. That, I'm sure that's what Jesus intended when he wrote them. <laughs> Someday, I hope these are voiced by vocabulary. The parrot. <laughs> vocabulary, if you don't. Like it's vocabulary, but his name is Larry. His name is Larry, a- but the show's called Vocabulary. It's on Baby First. And he identifies objects for your kid. For your kid, they learn about the objects. <laughs> we could sing the theme song. No, it's no. okay. <laughs> now, Ch- Who's that swinging up and down? Okay, when I point at you guys, you have to say Larry. When I point at you, you have to say Larry. Okay. Who's that swinging up and down? Larry. Join him as he has some fun. Look at Larry, he's so bright. Larry. Learns new words and gets them right. Yay. That was good, guys. 
now we can play this episode to our baby and she's going to love it. She'll like 30 seconds of it. She's like, Finally, you guys are on some good stuff. <laughs> Listen, I've never liked anything you guys have done, but this vocabulary vein here in the middle, I think you struck gold there. Now, once canaries were discovered, they kind of took over as everybody's favorite, like, I don't know, display pet. Um, especially, like, upper-class ladies would have canaries and, like, greet you at the door with them, like, on their fingers. <laughs> like, hello, come into the parlor. This is my canary. And, like, that would be the, the thing, is that you're, you're very fine, your hair looks great, your dress is on point, and you've got a canary. <laughs> sure, Here is the only acceptable response to that. <laughs> This is not a party you want to be at. What's weird to me is that can so canaries were popular to like greet people in like dinner parties, or they were also used, you know, in like mines. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. Canary for, yeah, that you would send, that. you would have in the mine and to less see a if, pet. Like, yeah, not, not really so adorable. Pet. Like if you're keeping it to see, like, oh, the canary's dead. We got to leave. There's there's gas in here. That's not very. I don't know. That's no, but cute. like you feel it more. I guess you want to be attached because you want people to be alarmed when they see the dead canary. If none of them like the dead ca the canary, then it dies. And they're like, eh, well. <laughs> Win some, lose some. Back to mining. <laughs> now, there are a lot of uh, diseases specifically that we link with birds, things that we think about like... It's one of those things in med school, we call them like the, the clang association. It's like you hear this thing in a question and you know immediately like, oh, this is the answer. That's what they're shooting for. So like if somebody in a question on a board exam has pigeons, they've got cryptococcus. Like we know that instantly. Like, oh, okay, well, I already, I've been right. I can just write that down. So like, you know. If they have pigeons? <laughs> what? Like people who like hang out with pigeons a lot. Okay. Oh, you mean like that lady in Home Alone, the only person who's ever done that. <laughs> if you're Brenda Fricker from Home Alone 2, then you probably have that disease Sydney mentioned earlier. You know her name? Yeah, I know her name. You just have that information I know there? her name, but I can't remember the disease that you mentioned 20 seconds ago. <laughs> it's a good noggin. I miss my calling as a physician. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, 
you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones 50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash Sawbones50 to get 50% off. Like, so cryptococcus is associated with pigeon poop. It's something you can get from pigeon poop. You actually, like, if the if the droppings get, like, like dried and dusty and, like, aerosolized and you breathe it in, which is pretty gross. And, and it can be a pretty serious infection. You could get pneumonia or it can infect your, infect your central nervous system. And so it's not, I mean, I don't want to say it's common, but when we think of bird-related diseases, it's probably the first thing a lot of people think of who think about these things. <laughs> um, and so I started reading about it because I was like, oh, there's got to be a lot of really interesting stuff about cryptococcus. And if you're talking from like a like a biology standpoint, there are all these papers written about cryptococcus, and they call it like a, a peach of a fungus, the cryptococcus, because it was first found in fermented peach juice. Do you get that joke? They think it's, like a, it's a pretty a good one. Peach of a fungus. <laughs> I want to meet that guy. He's like, <laughs> got him again, Gerald. <laughs> Another great goof. But unfortunately, it's not that interesting. We, did, we, only, we didn't figure it out that long ago. And it's, I mean, it's in pigeon poop. So like, stay away from pigeon poop. And that's pretty much it. So I don't, I don't have a, I kept looking for something interesting. So other than that, it's a peach of a fungus. That's all I got. <laughs> Which I appreciated. Like, I liked that. Like, if I were at like some sort of, you know, medical conference and they were like, this is entitled a peach of a fungus. <laughs> You know, I'd snicker. So just to recap, you won't listen to my other podcasts, <laughs> but a peach of a fungus is a pretty good goof. Right on. You're lucky I'm here. I'm just saying you're proving oh, time and time again, you're really lucky I'm here. You've just never been to some of these conferences. No, I'm sure you need a laugh. I'm not, no, no, 
Uh, I won't begrudge you that. Um, another disease you can get from birds. So everybody who owns a bird right now is like, what? I don't want to know yeah, any of no, this. We, this is, I should mention, this is part of like a series we're doing. This, for the Pacific Northwest tour, we're putting pets on blast. <laughs> Last night it was everybody that owned a snake. Tonight it's everybody that owns a bird. We're Watch not out. putting you on blast. We're letting you know that the threat is just inside the cage. We're putting your birds on blast. Putting birds on blast. I've had it easy long enough. Excluding, of course, the coal mine thing, which we're very sorry about. <laughs> so there's another, another disease. And carrier pigeons, we made them extinct. But other than that, all pets on blast <laughs> all weekend. Um, so another thing that we may, or another, another problem, histoplasmosis, is one that hits kind of close to home for us, for me, because we have it where we're from, West Virginia. In the Ohio River Valley and the Mississippi River Valley, you see lots of histoplasmosis. This is something I've seen before. And it's another thing that can come from bird poop, and you inhale it. Um, and it, like a lot of us could have inhaled it at, from time to time, but it really only targets people who... Yeah, Sleep tight. <laughs> oh, it'll get scarier later, just wait. Um, this one really only affects people who have like compromised immune systems, so you might not know. Um, what's interesting about Histo is King Tut. What it, um, <laughs> like, okay, can you connect those two for me? I was hoping you'd ask. Six degrees of King Tut? It's a, it's a peach of a fungus. <laughs> I'm starting to come around, honestly. It's getting funnier each time. So in, in 1922, when King Tut's tomb was opened um, and everybody kind of like went in and explored it, some of the original team that first went in started to die of some kind of respiratory illness and they called it like the Pharaoh's curse and it was like, oh, it's because you went in and disturbed his tomb and you know, now you're dying because of a curse. And it may have actually been histo. So it actually would have just been lingering the entire time? Mm -hmm. Just living there, waiting so the curse thing wasn't that far off, really. Like, they were kind of well, right. <laughs> Cursed by any other name, right? Like, it, I mean, yeah, right? Basically. Uh, Johnny Cash wrote a song about histoplasmosis. <laughs> One of his lesser-known hits, song, I'm assuming. Beans for Breakfast, they talk about histo. Oh, I thought it was a bird named Sue. <laughs> <laughs> also, at first, when you said the sentence, uh -huh. I was still processing it, and I thought you said Johnny Cage. <laughs> I was a weird few minutes. Uh, Bob Dylan also had histoplasmosis. Had or wrote a song about? No, just had it. Oh, just had it. Okay. Just had it. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that my favorite bird disease to talk about is. And everybody has their own, right? Right. I mean, it's and it's so contentious, you know, when you like my favorite bird disease, yeah. and other people are mad, also, and you lose friends, yeah, families fall apart. A lot apart. of friends that way. <laughs> Um, is parrot fever. Ah! This, now this I'm into. I thought you would like this one. I've, uh, yeah, parrot heads, I know. No, right, it's, it's when you love Jimmy Buffett you too much. You love Jimmy Buffett so much, you get you parrot, parrot fever. fever. That's, yeah. yeah. No, it's not really that. Um, Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, I, I have... Now, to be fair, can we set the record straight? Like, I had parrot fever first. Sydney, and you, you caught it from me. I did catch a terminal case of parrot fever from you. That's true. Just to, I just want to clarify that. You got to be careful. You got to be careful with JB because 
I liked him ironically at first, and then I just had this, I woke up at like 4 a.m. one morning, and I was like, fence to the left, fence to the right. Oh my God, I'm deep, I'm too deep in. I didn't know how to get out. I got to him. Parrot fever. So parrot fever, also called psittacosis. Um, which it's a is, wasting disease, right? As in wasted away again of my life. That was uh, a peach of a joke. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, that's my favorite joke that you've ever told. Tell me about another disease. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, psittacosis, which comes from the word psittacos, uh, which is. Did Greek somebody for just parrot. cheer for psittacosis? <laughs> um, <laughs> we first started hearing descriptions of something like this and like as early as the late 1800s, um, but we finally named it in 1895. But it took us a long time to figure out what caused it. We knew there was something that you got from birds that made you, from parrots that made you really sick, but we didn't know what it was. Um, and it's really, it's a bacterial infection. You can get fevers, chills, you can get pneumonia. There's more serious complications that you usually don't get. Um, but again, it's the same thing as our other bird-related illnesses. You get it from inhaling dried poop from, you know, birds. Why are you so. even doing that? I don't know, so stop that. Uh, you can get it from parrots, but you can get it from a lot of other birds like parakeets, macaws, cockatiels. Uh, you can also get it from chickens and turkeys. Um, but it's pretty rare, and it's completely treatable. Good, good, good. And we know that now, but we didn't know that in 1929 when there was an epidemic of parrot fever. Whoa, that sounds like my house every July and August. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think this is the most interesting bird illness story for me, is in 1929, uh, there was a shipment of birds from Brazil to Argentina, uh, that arrived there to be sold on like the, the tropical bird market uh, to people who like birds. Um, and when they got there, they knew right away that they were sick. All these birds were sick. Uh, but the bird dealers, I guess, were not like upstanding citizens. So they sold them anyway because <laughs> they wanted to unload this crate of sick birds and not have to keep them. Um, and so they didn't tell anybody that the birds were sick and they sold them and they actually kind of like made their way out to 12 different countries before this was figured out. Uh, it, it started, the epidemic started with an actor who was playing some sort of pirate role and so he had a parrot <laughs> on stage all the time. <laughs> and, and his parrot got sick and died and then he started getting sick and everybody got freaked out because then soon after that like 100 people in this community all got sick. And Did they all hang out with the parrot? Well, they all hung out with a parrot. <laughs> Some sort of parrot. Okay, got it. Um, Wait, how did this happen only at once? Did somebody show up with like a shipment of parrots? I said that. Yes, there was a shipment of parrots from Brazil. Sorry, I was listening to um, Son of a Son of a Sailor in my head. So all these people are getting sick in Argentina from parrots, from some, well, from something. They're all sick. There's something bird-related. Nobody knows why. And the, but meanwhile, like, it's like a, it's like outbreak. Like the birds have traveled. The birds have already made it to other countries and nobody else knows about this. So in the U.S., where the epidemic really, that's, that's what we're going to talk about, really heats up. 
Simon Martin, who was the secretary of the Annapolis Chamber of Commerce, uh, decided to buy his wife a parrot for Christmas, which was actually like a really common present at that time period. Like, she this would is put something... it in her giant hairdo, right? I've heard about this. <laughs> no. What? No. Well, ladies would have big hairstyles and they'd put birds into them. I saw it in a book. <laughs> sure. So he's going to give her a, par- a hair parrot, a parrot for her hair, and, and he doesn't want her to know about it ahead of time, so he asks his daughter and son-in-law, hey, will you keep... Man, that's a big favor. Will you keep this parrot for the next, like, two weeks until Christmas? Because I got it early, and I don't want my wife to know, so hold on to this parrot. Um, so they do, and they keep the parrot, and the parrot is getting sicker and sicker throughout the weeks before Christmas, and it's pretty obvious. And so he gives it to her on Christmas Day, and it actually dies that same day, like right after he gives it to her. Merry Christmas! <laughs> Which is a rough Christmas. I think it's bad when people forget the batteries for toys they get me. This is, like, way worse. So, so the parrot dies, which is bad enough, but then the, the daughter and the son-in-law, they start to get sick. And, and they don't put it together right away. They just, I mean, because, you know, it's like Christmas, it's cold out, it's winter. Like, a lot of people are getting kind of like cold, flu, pneumonia-looking kind of thing. So it doesn't occur to anybody at first. But there's a local doctor who actually takes care of them who had heard about what was going on in Argentina, who had read, like, a news story about this bird outbreak in Argentina and goes, oh, I wonder if they were around a parrot. And so he questions them, and, of course, they were around a parrot. And so this guy freaks out, and he notifies uh, the U.S. Public Health Service. He gets the health departments of both the city and the state. He gets the uh, National Health Service. He gets the Army and the Navy involved. (laughs) And the entire government basically descends on Annapolis to investigate these two cases maybe of what this Argentinian parrot fever that nobody understands. So if you're wondering why parrots are extinct in America, this is why. That's not true. You have this guy to thank. Um, everybody gets involved, and the media actually gets involved. Somebody calls the media and lets them know. And then this just becomes this big frenzy. So you have people like announcing on a public stage, like representatives of the, of the National Health Service and everything, who are, who are going out and saying, like, listen... What I want you to do is choke your parrot to death. <laughs> Just real quickly, <laughs> so that it doesn't give you this awful parrot fever. Uh, they start advising sailors who have parrots, because all, right? Like, all sailors have parrots. That's what I, I mean, I think so. To my just, loss. just take your parrot and chuck it overboard. <laughs> Which they fly, right? Like, how does that even work? <laughs> it was, and some of them was like, they wouldn't, like, kept, they kept flying back around. And eventually he had to punch the parrot <laughs> in the face, like in Harry and the Hendersons. Like, it just wouldn't go. So sad. Wait, are you sure? I thought things were good. Where did I go wrong? Poor parrots. Haven't they been through enough? People are abandoning their parrots left and right, and, and all these stories are popping up because there, there were a lot of Christmas parrots that people got. They're Christmas hair parrots. And so people are either abandoning them or, or the parrots may have actually been sick and die, and so they're shipping them all to Washington. So Washington's getting flooded with all these dead Christmas parrots. 
And, and everybody's basically freaking out. There's a story of like, there's a woman in Toledo who got pneumonia and supposedly she'd been around a parrot. And then there was another woman who was in Baltimore and, there was, and she touched a parrot two weeks ago. And so everybody's freaking out and everybody who gets any kind of respiratory illness, which I mean, again, it's winter, so a lot of people, they're assuming that they were in contact or they're trying to connect them in some way to a parrot. Um, there are lots of false alarms. There are a lot of news reports of like healthy parrots, like so-and-so owns a parrot and it so far has shown no signs of illness. <laughs> so you can go visit their house, I guess. Like yeah, if see you see their parrot, if you miss your parrot. <laughs> <laughs> I just need some parrot in my life. I don't care whose parrot it is. <laughs> Um, there's a doctor who starts investigating all this, who's actually put in charge of investigating and putting it all together, Dr. Charles Armstrong. Um, and he's supposed to, to get all these different samples from these parrots and these sick people and go to what was called the hygienic laboratory and study it all. Now, unfortunately, the hygienic laboratory was hygienic in name, and that appears to be it. Well, uh, now... Let's say there, we, in case we have some laymen in the audience who don't know what hygienic means off the top well, of I mean, like, like, just say clean. <laughs> like, oh, okay, got it. Like, got we're it, using it. proper precautions. Like, it's hygienic, you know, like hygienic. You're welcome, like We're washing layman. our hands. We're cleaning the floor. Um, and he even noted, Dr. Armstrong said later, like, well, we couldn't be too careful because we had to figure this out quickly. So we weren't careful, obviously. That's science. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... As they're investigating this outbreak, people in the hygienic lab start getting sick. So all of these employees of the lab and all these doctors and scientists are also getting this parrot fever. Um, and this just adds to the panic because then everybody's freaking... Because like now, okay, now even the scientists who are studying this also get sick. Um, so the, the good news is as they get sick, they start to learn more about the disease. They, we've talked about this before. They study themselves. They figure out what's going on. They connect it to the parrots. They still don't know exactly. It takes them to the end of the outbreak before they're able to isolate the bug and they're able to figure out what the psittacosis that caused the whole thing, which is great. And a lot of them actually do get better, which is good. Um, but at the end of the day, they can't go back into the hygienic lab because everybody who goes back in to try to do more studying gets sick. Just burn it down. Well, they do. Dr. McCoy. <laughs> the best. Doctor, yes. they, don't, they, don't, they don't literally burn the building to the ground, but essentially Dr. McCoy goes in and just kills everything in the lab, fumigates the whole place, just like sprays it down with cyanide. They, they, they noted that like, like people who were walking by could see like birds who were in the air who got like hit with like plumes of cyanide like dropping out of the air like because they just, we haven't done enough to the birds but they did such a great job after they completely like you know basically burned the place down they did such a great job that congress rewarded them the hygienic laboratory by renaming them the national institute of health and so <laughs> there's the story and now you but know the rest of the story <laughs> well thank you i feel a lot smarter now about You're birds. Welcome. You're, in general, my advice with birds would just be like, I mean, wash your hands and don't touch bird poop. I mean, don't touch poop. Like, if you I can think resist, that's pretty. Don't touch poop. I mean, like, poop. our poop is pretty gross too. So, like, just don't. Don't, don't touch, touch any poop. poop. What do you think? There you go. Uh, there's, my, there's my doctor advice for you so for I the day. You, don't touch poop. Yeah, I guess you've learned a little something. 
Uh, that is uh, going to do us. Thank you so much, Seattle, for being so cool to us here. Thank you, guys. Um, uh, there are... Uh, we're going to take, like, 15 minutes. Thank and- you. Wait, first, thank you to Lindsay and Leo. Oh, thank Lindsay and Leo. Yes. They got, they got us uh, some beer, and they made... Uh, uh, was the, uh, what? What? The Yeti. The Yeti, yes. Charlie's yeah, playing with the Charlie, Yeti backstage. Charlie loved the Yeti. Right she now. Hugged it thank instantly. you. So much. And You're made very me sweet. Some, some, some blood cells, and yeah. Yeah. And I love them. It was awesome. So thank, thank you so thank much. You. And uh, thank you to all of you for coming to have fun with us <laughs> and hang out with us. Uh, my brother, my brother, and me will be in like 15 minutes. We're just going to take a quick break. And uh, until the next time we have a medical disorder to talk about or we get another case of parrot fever, I am Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. (laughs) 